Hey, welcome back to Fast Jet Performance. I'm Tim Davies. I've got a new post out today. Um, it's only about 10 minutes. It's quite a quick one, really. It's uh, been thinking about, I've been thinking about the office again. Uh, office versus the squadron and how we all work and how we um, control people and get them to do things that we need to get done. So again, speed me up if you need to, to maximize your learning and minimize the time that you take doing so. If you do have any comments, guys, please put them down in the, uh, in the post. The comments help me generate the next post about what people really want to, um, want to listen or put something on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Uh, write me an email if you want to. I really appreciate the, guys, um, appreciate the guys that wrote about the last post. That was really, really useful. Uh, so again, I'm not looking at likes anymore. Okay? That was one way that I was assuring myself that the content was correct for people. Not interested, okay? Not interested. It's about putting out stuff there that we all can learn from. So I don't need you to like the post anymore, but the comments are really useful so I know what the community is, um, is after. Because we're all doing the same thing, trying to improve ourselves. Let's dive straight in then. Okay, so a fighter pilot's thoughts on managing talent through empowerment. So let's talk about our relationships in the workplace, whether that's in a fast jet cockpit, a ship at war, or somewhere a little more traditional. Because I think there is a better way of working today, and it's not by still going to the office. For as long as people have worked together, they've come to one single place to do it. Normally, this is a building that has all the things that a worker needs to generate output. Computers, coffee machines, somewhere to park the car, those sort of things. These workers gather together, and the managers tell them what they need to do to make stuff happen. And eventually, an output is achieved. Something is sold, and everyone gets paid. But it doesn't need to be that way anymore. The majority of people in today's workplace are makers. They make something, a car part, documents, sales, clothes, TV sets, or even baby pilots. They do something at work. And above these doers, we have managers who manage them. Now, managers are important. I know this because I used to be one. I used to manage 12 of the country's, if not the world's, most highly qualified and talented fast jet flying instructors. I was responsible for all instructor and student training on the largest fast jet flying squadron in the Royal Air Force. I would manage the instructors and they would make new fast jet pilots. Now most of the time, my instructors and I would teach in the cockpit, which can be a very difficult working environment and not always conducive to a positive learning experience. There's a lot to get done when flying, such as speaking to air traffic agencies, finding a piece of airspace that nobody is using, avoiding the weather and keeping yourself clear of controlled airspace that is being used by airliners and such like. And all of the time you're trying to teach an exercise to your student. Now think about a TV series that you like to watch and think about what happens at the start of each new episode. The in the last episode of or the recap is there to bring you back up to speed with the storyline so that you don't have to watch the second half of the last episode to work out what is going on. Now imagine you are teaching a young student to fly military fast jets, but every five minutes, air traffic control call you up with some information about another aircraft nearby or the weather at the airfield back home. Just like having a break in a TV show series, it breaks up your flow and you have to often restart the section that you've just been teaching. It's why we normally try and use a discrete radio frequency and maintain a listening watch, because when you are creating something new like a new pilot, it takes a lot of uninterrupted time. But having a lot of uninterrupted time is not how a normal working day works for many people. Their normal day is broken up into 15 minutes here or 30 minutes there, then a quick get together, you know, just to check on things. Before you know, it's lunchtime. Then you might have a meeting, a few calls to make, emails to check, and then you're going home. It's why people say, I spent all day at work today, but got nothing done. 
when people make something, it takes a lot of time. It's hard to make something of quality in a short time frame. 15 minutes here and there is just not long enough to get into a problem and to fully think it through. Here's a quote. Greatness develops only at long intervals. That's from Seneca. And this is a problem because when you ask people where they'd go if they just had to get a piece of work finished, most of them do not say the office. Most people say a flight, a train journey, a library, or at home, to name a few. So why don't people want to go to the office to work? I reckon it's two things, meetings and managers. Now, managers provide direction to the makers. They collate all of their work together before passing it up to their own managers. But unfortunately, managers need assurances that the work is being done properly because if it isn't, then they will have problems with those above them. So they do something that can cause more disruption than anything else in the workplace. They call a meeting. You see, meetings make them feel all warm and fluffy as they can be assured that the work they have tasked you with is getting done. But a one-hour meeting for 20 people is not just one hour of productivity lost, it's 20 hours, one for each individual. Meetings can help to make sure people are working in the right direction and not just working, but they do take time away and are, by their very nature, exceptionally disruptive to individual productivity and creativity. Working from home or working remotely has been shown to increase productivity in jobs where creativity is necessary. At home, you control when you get distracted. But at work, especially when they call a meeting, your manager does. As humans, we are all different. We think, interpret, understand, assume, explain and learn differently. The biggest challenge we have is not time management at all, but clear and comprehensive communication. As I've said before, if managers were able to give clear and unambiguous direction with open and transparent channels of communication, then meetings would not be necessary at all. Now, when I was a manager, I felt that to hold a meeting was to demonstrate a failure in my own ability to inform my team of my strategic vision. Under my lead, I never had a meeting with my team. My objectives were clearly formulated, unambiguous and disseminated as direction. And this meant that I truly had to believe in empowering the talent that I was fortunate enough to command. But, this, but with this empowerment also comes great responsibility. Just because I'd allowed my team the autonomy to work uninterrupted did not mean that I could abdicate the responsibility for their output. That responsibility remained with me. And if my team let me down due to their inability to understand my direction, I would take the blame, not them. Here's a quote, you can never abdicate responsibility through empowerment. You alone must own the risk. That's just from some bro called Tim Davies, just a fast jet guy who writes a crazy website. Right, so when you empower someone, something truly magical starts to happen. The individual feels privileged, trusted and responsible. That's not to say that you then forget about them, not at all. And my door was always open. But once my team had received my direction, I was able to manage the results of that output and not get in the way of them achieving it. Setting clearly defined boundaries with a direction are what most workers need, and meetings can create confusion if they attempt to introduce new ones. Here's a good quote here. Collaboration needs a different kind of leadership. It needs leaders who can safeguard the process, facilitate interaction, and patiently deal with high levels of frustration. That's a guy called David uh, Chrislip. 
uh, from the Collaborative Leadership Fieldbook. I'm not convinced that's going to be a great read, but it might be, you never know. Okay, so sometimes this direction can be set at a high level, and this is called a mission statement. Now, think about a mission statement or company slogan. Domino's Pizza Chain used to use the tagline, fresh hot pizza delivered to your door in the 30 minutes or less, or it's free. It was a very clever slogan and set out exactly what the customer could expect from their restaurant. If a customer could expect a defined outcome from a company slogan, is it too much to ask for a company's mission statement to set clear direction for an employee too? What about if you worked for a company who had the following mission statement? Would you know what you were supposed to deliver? Here's the mission statement. The customer can rely on us to completely negotiate multimedia-based benefits in order to continue to professionally pursue next-generation paradigms. Um, no. Right, so what about this one? The BMW Group is the world's leading provider of premium products and premium services for individual mobility. Right, so it's obvious that if you're a BMW employee, you would know exactly what your brand stood for. It is a solid mission statement that tells the employee and the customer exactly what to expect from the company. Managers have a responsibility to set clear direction, but often they themselves do not know what that is, as they have had inconsistent messaging from above. Here is an example of a manager who did know how to set clear guidance. On the 21st of October, 1805, Vice Admiral Lord Nelson actioned a plan that would score a decisive victory for the British fleet over the French and Spanish navies. As briefed to his commanders some days before the battle, Nelson's plan was ambitious and new. He would break the enemy ship's lines and surround them, thus forcing them to fight to the end. But in recognising that no plan survives first contact with the enemy, he also offered the following guidance. No captain can do very wrong if he places his ship alongside that of the enemy. That's Vice Admiral Lord Nelson. He was clear in his direction that if it all goes wrong out there, just put your ship alongside that of the enemy and destroy him. Now, how clear is your manager's direction? And do you really understand it? If you are the manager, are you giving clear guidance and is it understood? So maybe the real issue in the workplace today isn't meetings at all. Maybe it's the lack of clear direction and guidance from above. Maybe we need better attitudes to communication by managers who themselves are freer to set boundaries and direction for those who make the products and services. Managers who can optimize people's time and minimize distractions, only holding meetings if they would truly increase productivity, improve performance or enhance the output. During the fog of war in an epic sea battle over 200 years ago, because of solid and effective communication, every man knew what was expected of him without having to have a meeting about it. If we genuinely empower our workforce and allow them the freedom to deliver with their initiative and collaborative efforts, then maybe we wouldn't need to be so demanding of their time. Right, that's it. Really happy. Um, if you want to drop some comments in there, I'm really appreciative of your opinions. Uh, on all these sort of things because I believe there's some great people actually that actually do write some comments in there. Um, guys I've worked with in the uh, in the past or I'm working with at the moment, also people of all sorts of industries are, um, are commenting on these kind of things. So I do feel that we're aligning ourselves to where we want to go and what we want to do. Um, I'm going to put out some more posts in the future and I'm, I'm quite big into, uh, I've written about the fragility of self before, the fragility of self, what is self and how you have to love yourself before you can love other people. Uh, I'm writing a bit more, I'm reading a bit more about that at the moment. I'm reading a bit more about passion, what passion really means and why you can't just say I'm passionate about doing something when you haven't really got any experience of doing that. 
a lot of people phone me up and say, I'm passionate about flying jets, Tim. I want to come and fly jets in the Air Force. And I'm like, well, how can you be passionate about flying jets when you haven't actually experienced what that is? You see, does that make sense? See, I don't believe you can be passionate about something you haven't done. I believe a good career is built along passion uh, and building that passion as you go along. So you can become passionate once you've been doing something for a while. Maybe it's the thought of actually being passionate about something at the very beginning. So I'm having a bit of a read into that sort of thing anyway. So um, hopefully put some stuff out there in the future. It might clarify some thoughts that we're all having. Really appreciate your time. I know I've taken 10 minutes of your time and that really is, um, for me, a great gift. So thanks so much for that. Uh, by all means, comments, guys, Twitter, uh, Facebook. What else am I using? Anything else? My email, uh, tim at fastshipperformance.com. I read everything. If you write to me, I will write back to you, okay? So, uh, hey, thanks for your time. Again, Tim Davies, Fast Shape Performance.